and welcome to another episode of Gore and Guilty. I'm Greg. And I'm Georgia. Today we have a spooky episode from what I can gather, but it won't be one that I'm talking through. I will be passing over to Georgia. So Georgia, what have you got in store for us? Okay, so today we are going to be talking about the Crescent Hotel. And I would like to thank two Instagram accounts, Panda Blue. We will be giving you a little message to um, let you know that we've taken your recommendation on board. And the other one was Pinky Podcast. So a little shout out to Pinky Podcast. And we also appreciate the recommendation. And my gosh, I didn't know anything about this case. And well, oh, it's a good one. Really good one. I like how both the recommendations came from colourful accounts. (laughs) So was it Blue Panda or Panda Blue? Panda Blue. and Pinky Podcast. I know, me too, I thought that. Love it. <laughs> but yeah, this one is quite unbelievable. As much as it is a paranormal episode, I thought it was about time we sprinkle a bit of that in here. It also has a lot of crime in it. Ooh. I would like to say a little bit of a trigger warning. It does involve a lot to do with cancer and believing that they've right. created a cure for cancer and it's basically a con man so if that isn't your topic and i absolutely understand it can be a very sensitive topic it's okay you can skip to the next episode <laughs> but i thought i'd let that you know get that in cool well how are you doing aside from spooky vibes well as you can see um i dyed my hair don't worry i'm still ginger but it was uh i've dyed underneath it all pink so that was my my week, my excitement for it, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've gone pink. Exciting! Did it, uh, people seem to dye their hair a lot at big milestones in their life? So, would you say that you've had a big milestone? Is that why you've done it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, I am becoming a student again, and there, I'm going through a load of big life changes. I suppose. So yeah, I suppose it could like coincide with. Changing your hair, changing your aesthetic, and yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. How are you doing, Greg? Is there anything that's happened this week? Anything that's happened this week? No, not really. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm just snacking. I'm doing a lot of snacking. That's good, though. <laughs> um, is it good? I don't know. I've, I've gone through a... Gone through an ice cream, a big bag of popcorn, um, some chocolate yeah. hobnobs, all tonight as well. Just gearing up for this, and then naturally I'm on the I'm on the booze for to limber myself up for the podcast. And yeah, I'm I'm every night I threaten to do some exercise, and every night I the only exercise I do is your jaw eating. jaw exercise move, movements. Indeed, and it's surprisingly I don't lose weight that way. That one. <laughs> yeah, I find better exercise. I wouldn't say that. That sounds like quite a good evening, to be fair. So it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we um we posted a question, a bit of a rogue question yeah. on the Instagram page, and we asked people how they were doing because we figured we wanted to know, and <laughs> it's good to you know check in with people. It's really important, especially with uh, the current time. We've just gone through one heck of a pandemic and we're still going through it. So 
what an important question to ask. Indeed. It's weird, isn't it? It's going to be reflected on so much and there's probably going to be a massive impact on mental health and things yes. like that. Definitely. Everyone, everyone that got back to us was in good spirits. Was in good spirits. Good. We had someone reply saying that they have joined adulthood, I believe, um, during the pandemic, which again must be quite interesting because um, you normally can like go out and do stuff during that change to adulthood, but I'm guessing uh, peachy mags couldn't. What a time to be going through that as well. It's it's a difficult time on its own. Finding that transition, working out the balance, and then doing that through a pandemic kind of restricts you and, you know, puts a leash on that freedom. So, yeah, I'm glad that they came out all right. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I think they um yeah they seem to be on top of it and we had someone we had someone message just confirming they're great which is good we're we're glad to hear you're great and someone else is um was occupying well morelia was occupying her time by waiting for a large gray cat to return to her apparently (laughs) they'd gone to search some gardens or something yeah that's uh that was the update but we love hearing from you guys so Thank you for responding. Mm. With that aside, should we... Should I dive in? Dive in. Dive in and scare me. So, I am going to be talking you through the Crescent Hotel, as I said before, but it is the most haunted hotel in America, so... Oh, we're in for a bumpy ride. Jeez. So, the Crescent Hotel is situated in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, United States. It was built in 1886 by Eureka Springs Improvement Company and Fresco Railroad. It was designed by Isaac L. Taylor for the rich and famous. However, pretty quickly it became unmanageable and... It didn't go so well. Too many ghosts. Too many. Always. Always too many. (laughs) (laughs) So it sits on the West Mountain above the village of Eureka Springs and it inhabits 27 acres. The area itself is known for its spring water and this was important for the village of Eureka Springs as it would encourage people travelling far and wide to come and drink the healing water. Quotation marks. Healing water. Oh, healing. What things was it healing? Apparently, any ailment, anything you can think of, you just take a little sip and you're right as rain. (laughs) That sounds good. They should should whack that in a bottle. Oh, well... It's funny you should say that because uh, <laughs> we do later down the line meet a con man that did that very just thing. So, yes. <laughs> the hotel and resort initially had planned to take advantage of this. It became one of the most luxury resorts in the country and they kind of marketed it on that magic water. Spa was included. So... <laughs> spa and healing spa treatment. and healing sounds lovely I'd love to go to a retreat <laughs> in 
1884, stonemasons from Ireland were brought over to begin the construction of the spa and hotel. And this, at the t- current time, cost 294000 to build, which I've converted it into... Which is the equivalent of just over $8 million. Blimey. It's an expensive spa. Oh, yeah. It hosted the most extravagant parties with full orchestras, gala balls, the swimming pools, tennis courts, the most beautiful gardens, and obviously that full access to the healing water. Although the secret was out. The healing water wasn't so healing, and so many people slowly stopped going to the hotel. Which is why it seeked its demise. I thought you were going to say slowly people started dying then. (laughs) (laughs) And they all died and were never seen again. (laughs) There's probably quite a lot of angry, frustrated people on their trips. Yeah. Nip into the the spa to get your hemorrhoids treated. Yeah. uh... (laughs) Came back dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, then between 1908 and 1924, it became the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. And it it still remained a hotel and resort during the summer months. So, it's now a college. It then, until... 1924 and then it reopened again in 1930 as a junior college until 1934 still remaining summer hotel and resort so we're now going to be transported to 1937 where it held a new owner and this is the villain of our story oh I love a villain. Norman G. Baker. Now, as I said at the start, if you don't like the mention of cancer and things like that, then this is where it kind of intertwines into our story. So, Norman G. Baker, millionaire, inventor, radio personality. He decided to change the hotel again into a cancer hospital and health resort. What? Hospital and health resort. Mm, Cancer hospital and health resort. I wouldn't normally... Well, they're polar opposites in a way, aren't they, I guess? He would claim that people would walk into here with cancer and walk out without. So, self-proclaimed doctor with no medical training whatsoever claimed that he had found various cures for all kinds of illnesses and one being cancer. He claimed that onion poultice cured appendicitis. So that's just one little treatment that he discovered. Onion what? Onion poultice. So like, I'm not, I'm, I should have looked this up. I'm guessing it's just like onion pulp or like that. Or the, oh, is it the okay. bit that makes your eyes water? I might sound really stupid now. But anyway. Maybe part of an onion. Part something of an onion. Onion-y. 
that will cure appendicitis, which I think we all know probably doesn't. I presume not. In 1929, so before he had bought the hotel, he had heard from Dr. Charles Ozias that he had claimed that he discovered cancer cure. So Baker found five volunteers that had cancer to be sent to Dr. Ozias for treatment. Baker had, he'd already had one magazine. He's now created this new magazine, a tabloid. And he decided, it's called The Naked Truth. Oh, that sounds dramatic. So in this magazine, he decided to publish the study results. He claimed that all aluminium products, such as like kitchen utensils, pots and pans, all of that would give you cancer. Vaccines were absolutely worthless, and in some cases they were poison, and said that you could not cure cancer through operation, radium, or x-ray. Absolutely could not happen. He announced that he had got the cure from Dr. Ozias in January of 1930. Mm Mm-hmm. He was also a quack doctor, which, if you don't know what a quack doctor is, it is someone that proclaims that they are a doctor without any medical training whatsoever. Ah, okay. Like a duck quacking. I didn't realise it was called that, a quack quack doctor. It's quite good, though. It's quite good. I like it. I like it, yeah. So, I hear you say, what is this magical cure? Well... It consists of an injection. And this injection comprised of clover leaves, corn silk, watermelon seeds, and water, all brewed in a tea. Mm, Sounds delicious. Sounds delightful as as a tea, but maybe not injected into my body. (laughs) No, that doesn't sound as fun. No, not as fun. (laughs) Baker then, with obviously his medical expertise, um, decides to adapt this formula by adding alcohol, glycerin, and carbolic acid. So, you know, just the usual substances to add to an injection. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, in November 1929, the first patient out of the five passed away. And in light of this he decides to announce on the front page of his magazine, quote, cancer is cured. December of that year, the second patient died, followed by the third and the fourth dying in January and February of the following year. He then reprints that previous announcement, how cancer is cured, and follows it by describing their miraculous recovery. A few months later, the fifth patient passes away. He then, again, reprints what he previously wrote. It's like it's like fake news now, in a way. There's some lessons to be had there. Yeah. He was probably just like, oh, would have been sick if we cured it. And then was like, you know what? I'm going to bloody pretend we did. Well, it just morally, it is completely disgusting and outrageous. Yeah. But he had this massive following. People believed what he was saying. No one questioned it. And he had quite a big following because he was a radio presenter, like I said before. So, you... And it kind of goes with that whole thing of 
when people are, are in positions of power, such as like doctors, police, all that authority, would you question it? Probably not. Mm. And what an amazing thing to do. We obviously know now it's not that... D- it's not not easy at all to cure cancer, mm-hmm. but if someone was claiming it, then God, yeah, we wh- why wouldn't you believe it? I think, but yeah, it's this is a very tragic story. Mm. He would often accuse organized medicine as being corrupt and profit driven, so he was kind of angling towards usual practices and procedures that they were out to get your money and that they weren't to be trusted. So he created his first hospital in Iowa and he earned at this hospital $444,000, which equates to $7 million these days. Doing what? What was he doing? Providing these cures that people would pay for. Bloody hell, that is unethical. Mm-hmm. The American Medical Association exposed that he was a fraud with no medical license. So he was driven out of Iowa for practicing medicine. And just to try and make sure that everyone was still on board with him, he said that the American Medical Association offered him one million to stop his treatments so that they could continue to remove tumours surgically. This is not true. He fabricated this. It's it is like fake news. It's just like you get caught out, and then they just say, "Cover yourself." Yeah, just, oh, they just make up a bigger lie. Like, oh, it's a conspiracy. I'm being uh, harangued or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's true. So his response to this was to buy the Crescent Hotel. And he decided to bring all of his cancer patients to the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas. He would then again administer the magic injections, as well as providing the natural spring water to drink. Which, as I said before, I think it takes a lot more than that to cure cancer. Yep. He would advertise his treatment as miracle cures without pain or surgical procedures and the patients would walk away quote cancer free it's just reminded me this i was reading an article the other day this kind of happens in real life recently with um influencers on instagram saying that they could cure cancer with like raw diet and things like that um yeah i suppose well yeah it's all like um like, I don't know, like detox teas and things yeah. like that, where they are just um, laxative products, mm-hmm. basically. And they would then claim you would lose weight, you'd lose, you know, five stone in two days to, if you just drink mm. this tea, when it probably did more harm than good, and it's just a laxative. Yeah, yeah I just spend the whole weekend on the toilet. But yeah, no, there was, there was definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, there was some woman influencer that got arrested and put in prison because she told people that she cured herself of pancreatic cancer or something like that with this healthy diet and there were literally cancer patients that went and stopped doing chemo because they thought they were being lied to and lo and behold it was all fabricated 
and she didn't have cancer at all. I have seen, I have heard about that actually. Yeah, the raw vegan diets, and if you eat this certain, these certain products, and avoid these things, then you'll be cancer free. Well, and again, with no medical training or quack doctors, as we now know, quack. They're quack doctors. Quackers. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's important to, yeah, it's, you can't really believe, you've just, yeah, you've just got to pick and choose what you believe, I think, carefully, because there are a lot of people, people out there that like money, basically. <laughs> and like followers, apparently. At least Norman was getting a few quid. I mean, I'm not saying it was, that's good, I just mean, some people yeah. are just doing it for a few Numbers on the screen. Shocking. Yes. I mean, he did have a good following with his radio um, radio presenting. And I did read somewhere, this is going slightly off track, but I heard somewhere that he recorded live him having sex with his mistress and just broadcasted it publicly. In the early 20th century? Yeah. Bloody yeah. hell, that, that is wild. He was that was Raunchy. like sounds like sounds like he was ahead of <laughs> <laughs> he was ahead of Instagram and he was ahead of OnlyFans. OnlyFans, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blind. Yeah. Didn't know you could get away with that back then. I don't think you can get I away know. with it now. I need. To, I, I. I. I kind of feel I should have dug into that a little bit because I wonder whether he accidentally did it. You know, where it's like a bit of a. Whoops! Didn't mean to click the button to go live. It broadcasts, or whether whether he intentionally did it, which I think, yeah, both he think say, say a lot. S- sat on the mute button accidentally, or maybe didn't <laughs> sit. There's something else. I don't know. <laughs> trigger warning! Trigger warning! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear! Big up, Norman. Yeah, so regardless of the illness, as I think there were some patients that didn't have cancer that would come to seek his treatments, he would provide each of the patients with two of these injections a day, except for Sundays, um, where they don't have injections. Fair. I don't know. <laughs> was there a reason for that, or was it just like, fancy the day off on Sundays? The cancer doesn't spread on Sundays. Yeah, I guess it's... It takes a day off. God's day. I suppose it's it's the whole um, Sunday's religious day. You, you don't work on Sundays. But, like you said, cancer doesn't really stop on Sundays. So, regardless of what treatment you were getting, um, what illness, where the cancer was, what, all of that is just, just box standard, two injections a day, and you'll be sorted. In 1940, Baker spent four years in prison for mail fraud. This meant that the hotel ended up going ownerless until 1946. So, it was said that he was earning $500,000 a year, which is a nice tasty figure of just over $9 He would also sell bottles of the healing waters, which he would Mm. send in mail, which is what he got caught on. Which is what you suggested at the start, really. Investigation discovered that his fraud basically held up to about four million, which in today's world is a whopping seventy-seven million, just over uh, about yeah, over seventy-seven and a half million. 
That is madness, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? So your idea, you could have been, if you have no morals and wear a con man, <laughs> you could be 77 million rich, man. Oh, damn. I missed the boat. I mean, the, the thing is, as, it's, it's kind of, well, it's a long time ago, so you can kind of, he literally would have been injecting people, whatever, and they probably would have been saying, oh, I feel so much better, or, oh, this is really working because of placebo effect. And he'd have known that they were going to die and been like, oh, that's great. Well done. Knowing that those people yep. are going to die and he's given them. I'd love to hear how he, or understand how he sold it to himself because you have to be a pretty piss poor human to do that to people. It's unbelievable. You're also turning people away from regulated, certified treatment as well so these people are going yeah. no i won't take any of that i'm gonna go and trust you and take those injections like mm. just and all of this water as well so he'd be sending it off and people would just be drinking this water and it would be so expensive all of his treatments were very very expensive as you can tell mm. so when patients would become really sick in the hotel because they would eventually turn sick through mm-hmm. the cancer not being treated, basically, regardless of adding these injections on top. He would then send them to a ward, which he labelled the psychiatric wing, and he would seal th- with a sealed door and soundproofing. So he would just kind of like ship them off out of sight, hush hush kind of thing. What patients would he send there, sorry? So any of the patients that would become really, really sick um, mm. and weak and, pretend, well, look as though they're going to die relatively mm. soon, he would then basically put them in a different area of the hotel, which he would label the psychiatric ward so that people wouldn't come in and soundproof it. And there are varying reports of how many people died at the hands of Baker but a lot, pretty much all the patients that saw him indirectly died at the hands of him. Mm. So there were some sources that were saying that there was over 300 people that went into the hotel but never came out. But you also have to remember that many of the, di- many of the patients that would leave would die within a few days of arriving home. And there were some reports that some patients would even die on the train home, which is just awful. So, he, I, I would say he's got a heck of a heck of a number on his hand. Like I said before, he was arrested for four. Well, he was put into prison for four years, um, and then after this, he flees to Florida and. He dies in 10th of September, 1958. I think it was to liver disease. However, there was one report, which I don't think it is true, unfortunately, that he died to lung cancer, which I thought was kind of ironic. Mm. But unfortunately, no, he it was liver, liver disease. disease at 75. So Frustratingly long life. Yes, yeah. So I also did a little bit of digging on the formula that he was injecting into the patients. So the one that was containing the carbolic acid, which is also known as phenyl, 
mm-hmm. which is a powerful poison, which can result in organ failure. And around the same time, the Nazis were using the exact same method, carbolic acid, to euthanize inmates at concentration camps. So, blimey, he wasn't. He wasn't just giving them fake stuff. He was literally giving them poison, making them even worse. So he could be classed as a serial killer. Well, he is a serial killer. Yeah, sounds like he's definitely got blood on his hands. Anyway, so we've got to go back to the Crescent Hotel. So that is obviously quite a fruitful part of its history. In 1946, it was sold to John R. Constantine, Herbert E. Shutter, Herbert Byfield and Dwight Nicholas. They attempted to restore the resort to its original beauty, although they never quite matched its former glory. And in two, in and on the fifteenth of March, nineteen sixty-seven, the hotel nearly burnt down. During this time, only one of the owners was still alive, Dwight Nichols. And basically, a fire broke out, destroying the fourth floor of the south wing, and pretty much most of the property but they managed to save it oh well so it burnt most of the property down yeah they might yeah it nearly it nearly burnt completely down but they managed to salvage some of it yes yeah exactly so in 1997 marty and elise Roynick, which if i we've just spent a little bit of time trying to pronounce that so i'm really sorry if i haven't pronounced it correctly <laughs> Roynick purchased the property for 1.3 million. They promised the residents of Eureka Springs that they would make sure it resembles its glory days. The villagers were skeptical as they we've heard this before as we've seen. But after 6 years of renovation and 5 million pounds out of the pocket, the hotel was restored. Mm. In 9 2009 marty unfortunately died in a car crash so it remains in elise's hands she is the current owner of the crescent hotel as much as the hotel and resort is known for its beauty and its glory and questionable history it is also known for its ghostly happenings i'm going to dive deep now into all of the hauntings that happen here most of The most cited apparition is apparently a red-haired Irishman, a stone man whose name is Michael. It seems as though he was one of the stonemasons who worked on the original construction of the hotel in 1885. It was thought that he was working on the roof of the property when he slipped and fell into the second floor, where he unfortunately died. This so happens to be the area of room 218. And surprise, surprise, it is the most haunted guest room of the hotel. Michael is known to be quite playful and mischievous. He likes to mess around with guests that stay in this room. He will often switch lights off, turn the TV on and off, open doors, close doors, bang on walls and shake people that are sleeping. It was also said that people hear a man shouting as though they are falling from the roof into the room. And some guests have said that they have seen hands coming out of the bathroom mirrors. Which all sounds pretty creepy. Mm. 
There's also a nurse that can be spotted on the third floor pushing a gurney and disappearing once she reaches the end of the corridor. She can only be seen after 11pm, which is during the time the hotel was a cancer hospital, and that's after this point the deceased would be moved into a different location. Hmm. Those who don't see her physically will hear the squeak of the wheels of the gurney. The area, this area also used to be the morgue and Baker's autopsy room. Apparently it also feels very, very cold down there, as you can imagine. Yeah, it always feels a bit spookier when you've got a bit of a chill on the back of your neck. Exactly, and especially when you know lots of people have died there and there was a morgue. Mm. I just think... Yeah, that would be freaky. Of course it feels freezing. Baker himself can be spotted at the at the resort and he looks exactly like the photographs. He would always wear this like white linen suit Ooh. and a purple lavender shirt and tie, which is quite a look. Yeah, I was going to say. That's a, sounds like a hell of a vibe, a hell of a get-up. Oh, yeah. He can be seen in the old recreation room in the basement and at the bottom of the first floor stairway. He always looks rather confused, apparently. <laughs> yeah, confused <laughs> about funny. confused about fashion. He doesn't. It's probably because he has no bloody clue what he's doing. Probably would be very confusing being a ghost. That would be quite a confusing. Oh yeah, that... you just wake up and you're like, "Fuck, I'm a ghost." That would probably spin you out. I wonder if you know whether you are. Nah, nah, I don't reckon so. Did you not? I reckon. Yeah, that's probably why they're so scary. They're just, just constantly. Life. Well, not living life. Yeah, cause... following people and going, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably what all the kind of yeah, maybe. wailing sounds come oh. from. Oh, that sounds, yeah. that sounds spooky. <laughs> the hotel has a old switchboard which connects all the rooms together in the hotel so you can phone, phone different rooms, basically. And... When they began to get a continuous phone call from the uninhibited basement, where Baker used to spend most of his time convincing patients to hand over their all, all their life savings, they decided to discontinue mm. it because, yeah, makes sense. In the lobby, a gentleman with Victorian clothing and moustache and beard, and of course a top hat can be seen. He regularly sits at the bar and at the bottom of the stairs. Many have tried to speak with him, however, he just sits in silence before disappearing. There's another spirit who usually is only seen by housekeepers of the hotel. She is called Theodora, and she introduces herself as a cancer patient, and then disappears. Oh, God. She can be seen in room 419. That does sound really creepy. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Like, hi, I'm a cancer patient. Boom, gone. <laughs> God, spoke. Yeah. Um. Apparently, you could see quite a few cancer patients roaming around the corridors, and obviously nurses as well. In the crystal dining room, in the early hours, guests have witnessed people dressed in Victorian attire and full ninety. 1890s ball attire dancing in this room 
So you can just look down, there's just like couples dancing around. Witnesses who have said there's a gentleman that sits at a table near the window and when you go to try and talk with him, he says, quote, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night and I'm waiting for her to return. Which, yeah. It's, it's, kind of sweet. All of them seem very old-timey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sweet, but creepy. Would be creepy. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's kind of... Even if he wasn't a ghost, that is kind of creepy, isn't it? Just waiting for a... Oh, God, yeah. See, I thought it was, like, romantic and kind of like, oh, that's so sweet. But actually, if a man went to me, I saw the most beautiful woman here last <laughs> night, and I'm waiting for her to return. <laughs> weird. Really weird. Yeah. That would be very weird. That would be extremely weird. Just waiting, <laughs> waiting outside the corner shop for my one true love. Oh god, no! I love her. I love her. Not- I'm sure she returned, <laughs> mate. Just go home. Go home. <laughs> Get on Tinder. <laughs> Creepy. Still there waiting. God. A small boy in a kitchen can be seen skipping through. And pots and pans are known to be thrown across the room. A young woman who attended the college for young women. Previously, uh, she fell pregnant, rumour has it. And because it's very frowned upon to have a child out of wedlock, she jumped from the balcony out of shame. She can be heard screaming as she falls. That's, um, yeah... Is she stuck around for education then? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Butlers can be seen carrying trays to room 202 and to room 424. Christmas seems to spark a lot of activity as well. So there is a... Each year they have a decorated Christmas tree and one year it moved from one side of the room to the other with all the presents underneath being sl- slotted under the tree on the other side as well as all of the chairs being placed in a circular position around the chair, around the tree. Ooh, that is creepy. It's like poltergeisty, really. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There is a ghost cat called Morris, who lives in the hotel. They were buried in the garden of the resort, so you can see this little cat sometimes roaming around. Mm-hmm. Marty and Elise brought in two certified mediums to basically understand the paranormal activity better. The mediums found out the resort showed signs of a portal to the other side. So, quote, as in the dimension that holds the spirits of the dead and can be accessed by those on the same frequency as the ghosts. The portal is thought to be situated on top of the morgue of the hospital. So, it is safe to say that the hotel resort is one spooky, spooky place. Mm-hmm. And currently, we you can buy tickets to stay the night, as well as going on daring ghost tours. And in October 2019, for Halloween, they were going to, I don't know if they did, but... They were going to perform a science with internationally recognised illusionist and medium Sean Paul. Quite <laughs> Sean Paul. We might know. <laughs> 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 Sean Paul. Well, I don't know what he's up to these know. days. It may well be seance. Blast from the past. 
Maybe it is him. I mean, I don't know. I just assume it's not. I don't think you but... can discount that. Illusionist medium. Sean Paul. <laughs> and Juliana Faye. In the grounds of the hotel, there were glass specimen jars that were found that were buried, basically, and they belonged to Baker. And inside were fleshy remains, suspected to be tumours that he had extracted from patients. And it's pretty grim. And basically, the idea is that they're going to host a science with these jars to try and work out whose they belong to and whether they still roam in the hotel. And basically to gather more information about what occurred in the Crescent Hotel. Well, that is the spooky goings-on. Crescent Hotel. Um, But yeah, my gosh. Awesome. Sounds like a very, very spooky place. Still kind of want to (laughs) go. Yeah, me too. I was just thinking that. It's Um, really spooky. Yeah, I definitely want to do a... A stay in a haunted place. Maybe not a stay, but a tour. Back to the Adelphi. Yes, we need to. As soon as, like, life settles down. Once COVID is over. Yeah, yeah. Once it's all back to normal. And, of course, we'll be bringing all of you gories with us. So, I think that'll be so much fun. Indeed, indeed. I'm looking forward to it. Could have a... Meeting with my old friend George. Yeah, oh, can coast. you imagine? Imagine if we actually stumbled into him. If we proved it, proved that ghosts exist. So spooky. Ah! But yeah, I think we gotta we gotta do it. We gotta do it. We gotta do it. Thank you for sharing that case. Well, it kind of it was it was more of a well, it was not a case, but like a it's like place. a paranormal <laughs> ghost story with a. With a big twist of crime, I think. Indeed, indeed. It was a crime at its core. Yeah, loved it. Do you want to run through... Do you want to run through the socials? Sure. So, send your spooky stories or crime stories to our email address at goreandguiltypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on our Instagram, goreandguiltypodcast. And if you did so enjoy this episode, then... Please let us know by reviewing and subscribing. You can do that on Apple Podcast. I think that's the only platform that I'm that we're aware of that manages to do that. So we'd of course really appreciate that. And yeah. So and remember we won't judge if. Gore is your guilty pleasure. Thank Thanks you. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.